What's going on, everybody? Call me crazy. We're back again with this week with a mini solo episode to play a game of Would You Rather Dynasty Fantasy Football Edition. I have our producer and editor, Justin, with me. We're going to have some discussions, ask some questions, sort of gauge my thoughts on the dynasty valuation landscape. Justin's a part of multiple fantasy leagues with all of us, Rob Scope and myself, dating all the way back to the seventh grade. So... Yeah, we go back. I mean, here's what we're doing. We'll go through some questions like which side would you rather have between two players straight up? Uh, We'll go ahead and get some picks involved with questions like X player or a, say, for instance, 2023 first, second, et cetera. And, uh, you know, hopefully have some good conversation between the two of us. I mean, maybe I'll be a voice of reason. Maybe some of the things I say will uh, sound kind of crazy. I mean, I guess that's the point of this. So we'll find out. Uh, let's do it. Justin, tell us what's up. How's everything going? What's this first question you got for me? You know, Dolphins just got a dub. It was an ugly dub, and I was pulling out my hair the entire time. But we take those. We always take a an extra dub in the in the win column. Um, I'm doing good, you know. I'm, I'm excited to talk about all these players. You know, you talked about how we ha- we've been in fantasy together for whatever amount of years that is now. Almost, what? eight years a now long time bro. i should have ran away when i had the chance um that's true that's true and now i'm strapped to you guys for the rest of my life basically now, i remember the first question you asked me in sixth grade i think it was a reading class you said do you think we made the right decision drafting ryan Tannehill, or should we have drafted robert griffin the third and i think i overwhelmingly said rg3 but we see how that aged i think that was in well both didn't work out for us anyways well who knows maybe if rg3 was on the Sun Life Stadium field rather than the terrible oh, Washington man. field, then maybe he doesn't tear his ACL the way he does. But, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Um, I'm pretty sure that was history class too, or uh, whatever, nope, yeah, world history. Not. I remember exactly what class it was, where we were sitting, and all of the in-betweens. I didn't realize like, that we had it. I didn't realize we had language arts together then. It is what it is, man. You know? I mean, we've got a lot of good football conversations. But but tell me, man, what's this question? How are we starting All right, off? so – we're gonna start off with a few player for players. This we're assuming a uh, we're assuming a, a super flex format, right? We're ex- yes, yeah, super flex format, and also this is post week seven um, injuries of the twenty twenty two season. There were quite a yeah. bit today, unfortunately. Yeah, we, I was telling Ethan before cool. we started recording that it reminded me a lot of twenty twenty one week two when Christian McCaffrey and many other players went down. It yeah. you know regardless of. If you have the player or not, you never want to see players go down the way they do. Specifically, there's some players that we're going to talk about that I don't like the team they're on, but God, it's so hard to not root for them because of how good they are. Yeah, just watching so, watching that Brees Hall injury today, man. Like it, oh, that, that 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 turned my stomach, bro. Like I was that that's really just upsetting to see a player that young, that gifted at the game, playing so well so early, just. Yeah, that, that hurt, man. It hurt. Yeah, and in all honesty, I, as a Dolphins fan, you never, I never want to see the Jets succeed. Um, Before the draft, before they even took him, I said that wherever he goes, I'm going to enjoy watching him play. Um, He was a huge, he was the X factor on why the Jets beat the Dolphins in week five. Um, And I just, I, he was fun to, he was fun to watch. And I have him in our redraft league. Unfortunately, I probably won't have him anymore because I'm probably going to drop him because he's done for the year. Um, But it's just, you know, it's such a shame. And I, you know, you also, at at the end of the day, we're friends with people that are, you know, like all, Ollie's a jet fan. 
And even though it's the whole rivalry between the Dolphins and the Jets, I still feel bad for him because I would feel terrible as well if my star running back that was looking so promising towards ACL. Yeah, man. But, you know, that's in the past. Go forward. You hate to see it, but we can only go with what we're looking at. So, I mean, with the current landscape, with the current injuries, uh, we'll try to value some players. So what do you have for me? What's the first question? So first off, this is in Superflux, post-injury. We don't know yet um, how long he's going to be injured, but would you rather have DK Metcalf or Chris Olave? That's an interesting one. Um, I think for me, uh, I still have DK Metcalf. Uh, I still have him etching out Chris Olave. I love what I've been seeing from Olave for sure. Uh, he's commanding targets at an elite rate in an offense that is really, really under-resourced from a skill position perspective. Um, they've been without Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry for a few weeks now. Um, Kamara also missed, uh, I believe, some time earlier in the season, as well as Jameis just being out. But to watch Chris produce the way that he has uh, has been excellent. Um, however, I don't think he's DK Metcalf. I think that DK Metcalf has had a history of production and situation that allows me to know for certain what I'm getting in the future. Um, we all had our questions coming into the season with whether or not DK Metcalf would produce uh, with Geno Smith. I think those questions were unequivocally answered. Um, what I really believe is that DK Metcalf, as young as he is, is only a couple of years older than Chris Olave. I know what DK Metcalf brings to the table. I know what it is like for multiple seasons in the NFL with an array of weapons around him, with an elite quarterback, and with a non-elite quarterback. I think DK Metcalf is the safer play for me. I'm not going to be mad at people who want the upside of Chris Olave, but I think it's a little bit too early for me to jump on board and say, I'm going to go ahead and take the rookie over somebody who I know is a dominant physical asset. Yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. In all honesty, of all the questions we have, this is one of those that it's a coin flip for me. Everything you're saying about how DK Metcalf is still producing, regardless of who his quarterback is, is 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 quite fascinating and amazing. In all honesty, it just proves that he's he's that talented receiver. I remember watching some of his old film from Ole Miss, and I just thought he was so dominant, and I knew that he was going to be a dog. Um, I didn't quite expect him to be as good as he started being his uh, rookie year and you know since he's been drafted however with all that in mind in super flex ppr i really look at volume of target shares and stuff like that chris olave has really impressed me so far so let, let me first off say that in all honesty i think i would take chris olave for that upside he's quite the talent in terms of you know tangible skills his speed agility stuff like that don't get me wrong dk metcalf is very fast he caught up to whatever corner that was in that Arizona game last year or two years ago when he stopped that pick six. He can catch up and he can speed up if he needs to. Chris Olave's upside is insanely high for me because I look at his target share despite, you know, I know that Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are both hurt this week and they've been hurt for a lot of the year. I think that they're going to be out the door. I mean, Landry's only a one-year deal anyways, so... He's going to be out the door and just Michael Thomas can't stay healthy. So I look at Olave as he can be that deep threat. He can be that short intermediate, you know, yardage player and get those catches, get those first downs, get those points in fantasy. And I mean, he's shown it so far. I know he, he got 23.7 points against Carolina and Carolina's whatever. He also got 
almost 17 points against Minnesota, 15 points against Seattle, Arizona, 17 and a half points. And in the Arizona game, he had a, I believe, a 30% target share. And I know that that's just a one-game sample size. However, he's young. Everyone knew coming into the draft that he was going to be that deep threat, great receiver, that whoever drafted him, they would be great with him. And I think, honestly, New Orleans is the like the best fit that he could have had in a team because they didn't have any player that was like him. So I'm taking that upside. And in all honesty, I traded away DK Metcalf in Superflex earlier today, five minutes before he got injured. So, you know, if I'm willing to move DK five hours or six hours ago, whenever that was, I'm willing to move him now. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, I think my opinion is just risk aversion. Uh, I know what I've seen from DK Metcalf. I would hope that Chris Olave reaches that level of production for as long as DK Metcalf has. Um, and I haven't really seen any any slacking from DK Metcalf this season to make me drop him. So I think that my, my explanation is that simple. I'm not going to knock you for taking Olave. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, what's this next question we got? All right. So the next question we got is actually quarterback related. Okay. Would you rather have Jalen Hurts? or Joe Burrow. Mm, okay. So this is definitely a hot topic recently with, you know, the Eagles being the only undefeated team in the NFL. Um, you know, if you would have asked me this question uh, a couple weeks ago, I probably would have said Jalen Hurts. And to be honest, I think this is a very, very close conversation. For me, it, this really does depend on the scoring format of your league. I think that if you're playing in a six-point passing touchdown league, that definitely inflates and deflates the value of rushing touchdowns, which Jalen Hurts obviously brings to the table. For me, I think if this is a six-point passing touchdown league, I pretty clearly take Joe Burrow. I think that the volume that he can put up in any game or any one individual game or any individual season – uh, the upside is immense. He has 50 touchdown upside with the weapons that he has around him for as long as he's going to have those weapons with both T Higgins and Jamar Chase on rookie contracts. Um, they're not going away anytime soon. Uh, he has that upside to throw 50 plus touchdowns, six point passing touchdown league. Um, I think I'm okay taking Burrow in that scenario pretty clearly. Um, if it is not a six point passing touchdown league and you're playing in a more standardized four point passing touchdown format, uh, I think this conversation becomes a little bit more, you know, muddled. Um, personally, I think I might give Jalen Hurts the edge in this scenario, uh, just because I think that he is better than a lot of people think he is. And his job security is a little bit more um, solidified than people would, would, would say. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, it really does depend on the week. It depends on the day, uh, how I'm feeling, but, you know, Joe Burrow in a six-point passing touchdown league for certain, and then it becomes really close afterwards. Uh, I don't really want to have a strong take on the four-point passing touchdown. But honestly, man, like, it's hard to fade Joe Burrow. That's all I'll say. No, I get you completely. In all honesty, um, when I was looking at this question beforehand, I looked at it as we had this, you know, this week he had another Joe Burrow 500-yard multiple touchdown week that he had, just like the ones he had – um. I think it was week 16 and 17 of last year or 15 and 16. Basically, you know that you can get that enormous volume out of him with those deep balls that he throws to um, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase. He's just got those weapons and it's quarterback. So he's going to get points regardless. I mean, he might have some few weeks where he gets like 10 to 15 points, but those are anomalies. I look at it as like, if you're looking at the quarterback version of Tyler Lockett and fantasy, in terms of how he could 
just explode one week and then maybe the next week not play as good and just mm, like the targets, the touchdowns don't get there, then that's Joe Burrow. But in all honesty, he's still a quarterback. I love his upside with passing. Jalen Hurts, I was really leaning towards him, however. I just worry that Philly relies too much on the ground game at times. And Jalen Hurts so far this year, if I'm not mistaken, has maybe four passing touchdowns. And that's just that's just not enough for me, in all honesty, if I'm talking like dynasty. And like just think that Burrow's gonna have all these talents around him. And even if he's subpar, he can give the ball to Jamar Chase and he can take the ball 40 yards for a touchdown. So I, I also agree with the upside of uh, Joe Burrow. With especially with the six point passing touchdown, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I mean, I I think that makes sense for sure. Um, Sorry, let me I correct think... myself. Jalen Hurts has thrown six touchdowns, um, this year, but still, out of six weeks, that's not yeah. great. That's yeah, not I mean, great. I mean, sure. Obviously, a lot of his upside comes from the fact that he runs the ball in a lot. Uh, I think his total touchdowns are well into double digits, uh, which would make sense. But I'm pretty sure. You have a really, really interesting one for me next, right? I do, actually. And yeah. in all honesty, when I cooked it up, I, I didn't even know how I would answer it. All right. So the next one is it's we're not doing straight, you know, position for position anymore. We're going to change the positions a little bit. So would you rather in Superflex have DeAndre Swift or Drake London and a 2023 mid-second round pick? Hmm. I think I'm going to go against the grain here, man. Um, I'm not going to lie. For me, this isn't close. I'm taking Drake London and the second. Um, I think that the running back position right now is very volatile, right? Um, As an asset, it's hard to commit to any one of them because just like that, things change, right? We saw an absolutely konami code player in javante williams suffer a horrendous injury by no fault of his own right and just like that we're looking at a 16 month recovery window and a player who is coming back at 24 years old right his value absolutely tanked right when i look at deandre swift there's no question that i'm looking at a good fantasy producer but the question for me is can he stay healthy Will he get a workload and is it possible for him to sustain his health with that workload? And what kind of value does that provide to me aside from Drake London? Drake London, I know for certain has shelf life. He has talent and he is at a position that I would most often start in the flex over a running back, right? The analytics are very, very like decisive on that. And they're very, very, um, they're, they're very one-sided in terms of you want to end up starting a wide receiver in a full PPR format in the flex. And most leagues have multiple flex positions uh, along with the three wide receiver set, which means that I no brainer would take Drake London. Um, the question is whether or not I would take Drake London straight up over DeAndre Swift. That, that, that's a different question, right? But considering you're also giving me a 2023 mid second round pick, um, yeah, this is this is a no-brainer. Uh, Drake London has has shown the ability to command an elite target share as a rookie in a low passing volume offense and produce decently well through the first few weeks. Obviously, the the volume's gone down, but I know he's excellent. I know he's going to be on the field for an extended period of time, and I know that God forbid an injury happens to him, 
his value is insulated because of his age and position. But on top of that, you're throwing me a 2023 mid second. Come on, give me that side of the deal every day of the week. I gotta, I gotta agree with you there. Um, just one thing that I, I look at when I evaluate how much I like a player is pre regular NFL draft. What were the red flags of a specific player and have they shown that they can separate from their college self and excel in the NFL skill wise? Drake London, before the draft, we were like, he can't separate. Turns out he doesn't always need to separate fully because he's just, he's a great receiver. Um, He's definitely got that shelf life. Literally just, I watched that Atlanta team. And as much as Marcus Mariota is the goat, he's, he's not, you know, spoiler alert. He's not the goat. And there are so many quarterbacks that I can look at in the coming years of the drafts, whether it's um, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, uh, Caleb Williams, any of these, any of these quarterbacks that you put, you give them the weapons of Kyle Pitts, Drake London, they will excel in that offense. Uh, obviously they need like better running backs too. That isn't Cordell Patterson who's 33 years old or however, however old he is. Um, But also I just, in honest, in all honesty, I've just been turned away from Deandre Swift recently. His whole situation, like he he can't stay healthy, um, and his own team, like they don't use him in the at the goal line for those touchdowns. And I know that he's not quite the power back, but like, why would you want a running back if his backup is stealing all the goal line touchdowns or any of the touchdowns? Yeah, I know I think- that I know that Swift has the upside of receiving. Like I'm looking at his stats from last year, he had at least like six to seven targets a week. And that's great and all, but like the man doesn't score that much. I want him to score more and just uh, Drake London, especially with the second round pick that this draft is just so good. I'm taking the Drake London side. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think a lot of DeAndre Swift managers would just say that his efficiency is so off the chain that these little goal line scenarios don't really matter as much as you think they do. Um, I, I just think I would, whenever I'm taking on an asset and I have the opportunity to choose between two, I want to take the one that's appreciating, not depreciating. Uh, I don't really know a scenario where two years down the line, DeAndre Swift is worth more than he's worth now. And that's sort of the issue that I have, right? Uh, I want to run my dynasty team like I'm running you know, an asset management company. I don't want depreciating assets. I want appreciating assets. Yep. And Drake London and that mid-2023 second gives me the flexibility to do so. Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I'm just going to say is, I look at DeAndre Swift right now the same way if we had Dynasty three years ago and we looked at Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Like, they get injured, but he's a, he's a good running back when he's healthy. But, like, Dalvin Cook also scores a lot more than DeAndre Swift does. So I also need to see a, a full season from DeAndre Swift that's put yeah. up the production of Dalvin yeah. Cook. Yeah. Like, yeah, definitely. That, that, that's what I'm saying. But All right, so, yeah, let's let's move on to the next one. This is back to the same position. Um, This one really interests me because one of these players I, I, I really don't like um, mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll talk about that when it gets to my point. So would you rather have Justin Fields in a late 2023 first mm-hmm. or Deshaun Watson? Oh, God. Um, I mean, I'm not taking Deshaun Watson, the person. I'm taking Deshaun Watson, the player and the fantasy asset. So um, for me, I'm taking Watson. Um, I think that this is a player who is absolutely cracked um, in fantasy. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I believe, 
has not had a finish that is not top five through a healthy season. Um, this player is on a humongous contract, right? All guaranteed for a very long time. And regardless of what I think about the merits of that contract and uh, whether or not he should have gotten it based on reasons outside of football, he has job security, right? Um, the NFL is going to let him play. He is going to play. I've seen too many scenarios of players do really bad things and because of their talent end up succeeding as NFL football players. The Deshaun Watson legal case um, for the most part has been settled. I believe that there's been a new, um, a new development in that, but it's, it's oddly looking like the suspension was already handed down and he's going to serve those full 13 games. And then he's going to come back. And I don't think anything else will happen. Deshaun Watson as a player is much, much more valuable as a fantasy asset than the shaky up and down volatility that we've seen from Justin Fields so far throughout his career and a dart swing at a late 2023 first. Now, don't get me wrong. I love this class. And honestly, if the late 2023 firsts were looking at the 108, it might be a little bit closer. But I think I know for sure that I'm getting a top eight quarterback with Deshaun Watson. And I'm not willing to sort of diversify those assets and try again. Because I would hope that that 2023 first would turn into a player like Deshaun Watson. And the odds of that are not very high. Yeah, I very much understand what you're saying. I, as a, unfortunately, as a current Justin Fields owner in Superflex, it's quite frustrating. Not, not so much just because, like, I think he has talent for the most part. Um, I do think he was slightly overrated coming out of college. Um, I just think he's in a, I, he's in a terrible organization and a terrible team altogether now. Currently, I'm taking Deshaun Watson in this case because I just think that Deshaun, I mean, assuming he doesn't play like he did in the preseason, he plays like Deshaun Watson that we all know, um, he's going to be him. Like, he will be, like, I, I I looked up the stats. He was top five of the three healthy years that he had. Like, fully healthy, he was five. He was number five every single year. You take that every single time. That's worth two first-round picks because I guess Justin Fields is, is still worth a first. However, ask me this again. Um, After the 2023 draft, I guess if it was a 2024 first because Chicago has so much cap room and so many holes on their roster. They have – I'm pretty sure they have a decent amount of picks too that if they surround him, Justin Fields with talent – I'll feel a lot better about doing the whole Justin Fields in a first. But until then, I just don't know if I can say it. Yeah, I think I think people are getting a little bit low on Justin Fields. I don't think it's fully fair to him. I mean, I don't exactly like what I've seen from him thus far. But to say he's only worth a late first at this point is kind of blasphemous. I think that uh, Justin Fields is still a quarterback with high draft capital. He's going to get opportunity. Um, and I need to see him with some weapons. So I'm not going to tank his value. Uh, I'm not going to say that this is like Deshaun Watson astronomically blows away this package. I mean, 
I don't think I would think twice about taking Deshaun Watson, but that also is because I would, I would not think twice about taking Deshaun Watson over a lot of players. I considered preseason when we were doing a startup for a super flex draft. Uh, I believe I had the 108. I genuinely considered because my, my ideal strategy was a one-year tank. I was considering him taking him 108, right? Assuming Lamar Jackson was not on this board, right? I was assuming that I, I was honestly going to take him over Kyler Murray. Uh, I think that as much as I love Kyler and as much as I love, you know, Jalen Hurts and all these other players, right? Deshaun Watson is him, right? Like this guy is a special talent on the football field, right? And if I'm playing in a super flex league that elevates quarterback value, at least to the point of like five point passing touchdown, there are very few players in general I'd rather have over Sean Watson. He's that good. And I think a lot of people forgot about that. But enough of the Deshaun Watson praise. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to, you know, praise this man any more than I need to from a strict fantasy perspective. That's all I'll say about that. What's, uh, what, what's this next question we're looking at? So the next question, th- this player um, that I'm going to bring up. So it's between DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Walker. I'm real quick. I'm just going to go on my soapbox about this because it's very quick for me. Um, before before the draft, I loved Kenneth Walker. I thought that, as crazy as this sounds, I thought that the distance between Brees and Kenneth Walker, talent-wise, was not as far as everyone was saying it was. Coming out of college, I really liked Kenneth Walker's film. And I thought that, wow, he's going to a team like the Seattle Seahawks who have proven that they can use running backs that are really talented, <laughs> Marshawn Lynch, and many other running backs over the years that they can use those running backs and, you know, he's proven over the, what, three weeks that he's been the starter that he put, he has volume today. He blew up today. He's has those skills that I love in a running back. And to be honest, just DeAndre Swift, unfortunately is still a question mark for me. And if both players are question marks, cause it's only been a three week sample size for Kenneth Walker, really give me Kenneth Walker. I just, I love him as a player. Okay. I respect that. Um, I think a lot of people at this point in the season would agree with you. Um, to me, though, I'm taking DeAndre Swift. I think that the Kenneth Walker take is a bit premature. I think that it forgets the skill set that DeAndre Swift brings to the table. And I think that the Kenneth Walker film, although absolutely incredible thus far as a pure runner, is not enough to push me to take him over an elite PPR asset like DeAndre Swift. Here's why. First is that Kenneth Walker is 22 years old right? He doesn't have the, the insane, insane early declare level status as Brees Hall did, right? But DeAndre Swift did. DeAndre Swift is only one year older than Kenneth Walker. He's 23. If you know anything about me from a fantasy uh, perspective, at least how I evaluate running backs um, in comparison to other running backs is that I try to take the least possible uh, account of injuries. I don't take that into account at all. If you have league winning upside and you are that good of a player, I'm not going to try to tank your value because of your history of injuries. 
Although DeAndre Swift's injury history has been a little bit questionable, I know that from a PPR standpoint, he gives me upside that Kenneth Walker, it is very difficult for him to sustain. And we've seen this throughout Nick Chubb's career as well, right? We have no doubts that Nick Chubb is an excellent player, right? Nick Chubb, I think he's averaged five yards a carry almost every year of his career. It's something absolutely absurd, right? The issue though with Nick Chubb are questions about him in the passing game. With Kenneth Walker, I have not seen those questions answered yet, right? Which means it's a bit premature for me to say that. Is he an excellent pure runner? Yes. Am I denying that he's a better pure runner than DeAndre Swift? No, he probably is, right? But what DeAndre Swift brings to the table from an explosiveness standpoint, the passing game standpoint, um, it's too much for me to pass off in favor of somebody who I haven't seen enough of yet from a production standpoint. Because personally, I don't think rushing 23 times for 168 yards and two touchdowns is sustainable for fantasy production. I think it proves that he's an excellent player. And on a week-to-week basis, he could have spiked weeks, sort of like Nick Chubb. But I know what DeAndre Swift's floor is. And I also know what DeAndre Swift's ceiling is. And the one-year age difference is not enough for me to go with Kenneth Walker. I think it's DeAndre Swift. And I'm not going to budge on that until I see more. No, that's valid. Just my only thing is just assuming you don't have DeAndre Swift in the startup and you want to trade for Swift, you got to know that he will not be there the whole season. And I know that it's great to have Swift with, you know, 20 points a week, maybe for 10 to 12 weeks a season. I just love the consistency. And overall, I don't think Kenneth Walker has, uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he has injury history in college or anything. And I just, I love him as an overall, like, I know what you're saying, the whole upside of PPR, but I still think that if you can produce and it shows. Uh, Let me go ahead and ask you this, right? And this is sort of my philosophy about running backs in general. Um, It's very difficult to predict uh, injuries for them um, because the running back position is so physically taxing that any one of them on any given week could suffer a really bad injury. And honestly, I think people are giving that a little bit too little credit, right? Um, Did Brees Hall have any injury history? Did Javante Williams have any significant injury history? Uh, I don't think so, right? But because of the physical demand of the game, especially the running back position, right? And especially with physical runners, you could be out like that, right? And when I like drafting players, especially like Christian McCaffrey and redraft, I had this conversation a bunch. I'm not going to try to predict his injury, Right. I'm not going to try to do it. I know that every running back has a high chance of suffering an injury and a seizing long ending injury is one bad plant away from happening to any of them. Personally, I understand that DeAndre Swift has been hurt so far, at least some of the time, but going forward, I'm not going to make that call. I'm not going to say DeAndre Swift is going to be hurt and Kenneth Walker is going to be healthy because just like that, God forbid something could happen to Kenneth Walker to make us all question why we're taking over DeAndre Swift. And that's that's how I'm going to approach that. Okay. That's valid. All right, let's move on. This one's hard for me too. I, 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 there's a lot of questions here that I don't even know what I'd answer myself, but I'm going to let you talk and then I'll formulate my answer while, while you're talking. Would you rather have AJ Brown or DK Metcalf in a random 2023 second? Okay. Um, I think this is a fair question. 
Um, so I'm going to assume for the purpose of this question uh, that they were correct on the x-ray readings from today, uh, that DK Metcalf's x-rays were negative. He should be back sometime this season. I don't know how serious the injury is, but we know that they're negative, which I assume is impossible. Um, I want DK Metcalf in the second. Um, here's why. I don't think that the gap between AJ Brown and DK Metcalf is as large as people think it is. Uh, they both came out in the exact same class. They've been in the league for the same amount of time. And DK Metcalf is, I believe, uh, 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 like six months, maybe younger than, than AJ Brown. I just don't think that this is worth, the gap at least is worth a 2023 20, second. I think that if I can get a 2023 20, second with the possibility of DK Metcalf on any given season outperforming AJ Brown, I'll take that risk every time, right? I think that a good philosophy to have when evaluating trades, or at least when downgrading players to players that you have lower in your rankings, is think about, is there a reasonable chance that the player that I am downgrading to could straight up outscore the player I'm giving away, right? And I think this is a perfect example with all things equivalent, such as their age, uh, their production so far in their career, um, at that point, you're giving me a random 2023 second, you know, something that could also be top. It could be the 13th overall pick. It could be the 14th overall pick, even a middle of the pack, like second round pick. I think that having that upside along with DK Metcalf makes this a no brainer for me. Um, the fact that I, that I get, I get a free spin of the wheel to have a, a top pick right outside the first round on top of somebody who I think independently on any given week could outscore AJ Brown. Yeah. No question. It's going to be quick for me. Um, I agree basically with everything you said. Um, kind of hurts to say though, that I take DK over, uh, and, and the 2023 20, second round pick over AJ Brown. Cause I'm just, I'm a huge AJ Brown fan. God, I love that man. He, he's such a good receiver and just an overall football player. You get the ball in his hands and he's just gonna, he's going to make plays. And, you know, he unfortunately wasn't fully healthy his entire time in Tennessee. He always had that lingering hamstring issue and stuff like that. But again, he's a receiver that's only 25. I love his upside, but I look at everything about him and I'm like, this is DK Metcalf, you know, very much like DK Metcalf. And you're also getting a random 2023 20, second round pick, like you said. So I'm taking the same side as you. This one, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to feel. I'm a, I'm a, unfortunately put my bias in front of me right now. Okay. Um, would you rather have Jalen Waddle, the best receiver? In Alabama history, I don't care about the Heisman or Devonte Smith, and a late twenty twenty three second. Well, what I will say is that the first thing you said is a little bit bold. You know, you're gonna <laughs> put him over. Oh no, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just gassing him up because he's a dolphin. Okay, so Jalen Waddle or Devonte Smith in a late twenty twenty three second. I think it's offensive that you asked me this question. <laughs> The answer is unequivocally Jalen Waddle, and I don't know why anyone would say otherwise. This guy, Jalen Waddle, is an elite fantasy producer. He's explosive. He's excellent after the catch. He commands a high target share on a high-volume offense and had a top-10 finish as a rookie. I don't know what analysis would go into saying I would rather have Devontae Smith in a late 2023 second. This is a discussion if you're giving me the, the first overall pick in the second round, right? 
What if it was? What if that were the pick? If what it if it was? Pick, I'd probably still take Waddle. Two hundred one, and Devontae. Waddle. I'd probably still take Waddle. Jalen Waddle is elite. Devontae Smith is an absolutely phenomenal player. You know how I feel about Devontae Smith. There is objectivity here that is offensive to ask this question for. You know, like a late 2023 second? Really? Nah, <laughs> we, we can move on, man. It's Jalen Waddle and it's not close. All I'm going to say is I heard all offseason about how with Tua turn the ball over, which by the way, I know he had four dropped interceptions today, but it's okay. That happens. I was told all offseason how with Tua at QB, Tyreek and Jalen Waddle were not going to both be productive. And I know that I know how you feel about this because when we started talking in the group chat about is Jalen Waddle's production going to d- go down with Tyreek in the mix, and you went with your full chest, you said, absolutely not. There is no way in hell that you just write someone out of an offense like Jalen Waddle. And I agree. Before we drafted him in the 2021 draft, you can I can show you my receipts. I texted our friend Danny. I texted so many people, and I said, Jalen Waddle in the NFL is going to be insane. The fact that he went to the Dolphins made it so much better because it was so easy to root for him. And then he had, you know, the year he had last year. And he's still producing insane with Tyreek Hill also on his team. There that's, are no that's unreal. Justin, it's offensive we're still on this topic, man. Let's I go. just, you know, I had to, it, I had to, I had to, I had to praise Jalen Waddle for a second just so everyone listening can know that Jalen Waddle is Waddle. him. All right, yeah. so let's move on. In all honesty, I love Jalen Waddle so much you can offer me a, a late first-round pick and Devontae Smith, and I would still take Waddle. All right, the next question. This one actually really intrigued me because, you know, a lot of times you can look at this and you can look at it from a Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle perspective, but here we're going to look at it as, would you rather have Devontae Smith? You know what? I'm just going to say, because we're talking about how Devontae Smith, you know, is not quite the tier of Jalen Waddle in terms of fantasy. Would you rather have Devontae Smith and a mid-2024 first-round pick? Because honestly, I think that I think the 2024 draft is it might be a little top heavy but i don't know yet because it's still a whole year from now a mid 2024 first round pick or aj brown Hmm. i'm actually glad you asked me this question justin i'm not gonna lie um because this question exemplifies or at least the answer to this question i believe from a lot of people exemplifies the fact that people don't value picks as high as they should you're telling me that this is straight down the middle median 2024, right? If we're talking 106, maybe 107, I'm taking Devontae Smith and the first over AJ Brown, okay? Here's why. Devontae Smith is an elite level talent, right? He is produced at a level that nobody has produced at outside of like, Jamar Chase and a couple other key players have in college. Jalen Waddle. Production in college was nuts. He had one of the best Heisman Trophy. uh, He had had one of the best wide receiver seasons of all time in college. In the NFL, his game translated perfectly. He's a wizard off the line of scrimmage. His separation and hands are excellent, right? He could beat any corner 
on any route that he chooses. He's not the biggest guy, but he is physical at the catch point and he doesn't drop anything. From a fantasy perspective, Devontae Smith so far this year, everyone was concerned that his target share, his production would take a huge hit because of two things, a run heavy offense and AJ Brown. That could not have been further from the truth so far. He is commanding a very heavy target share alongside A.J. Brown, getting the benefit of good matchups and producing at a level that I believe is only a couple points per game off of A.J. Brown. He's two years younger with a skill set that I believe lasts in the NFL for sure. He's only 23 years old. He is the prospect profile of somebody who I want to be a franchise wide receiver. But you're also telling me that I get a mid-2024 first in a draft class like the 2024 class, man? Do you know who we're talking about here? We're talking about Caleb Williams, Travion Henderson, Marvin Harrison Jr., Quinn Ewers. We're talking insane level prospects. Anthony Richardson, potentially. We're talking, uh, I believe, Marlon Mims as well. Um, Xavier Worthy, I don't know if I already mentioned him. But these players are electric, right? Oh, and I didn't even name the one guy who is going to take home a cake. If you could land Brock Bowers in the 2024 class, along with Devontae Smith, you go home immediately. You pack up your bags. You say, I've won this league. I've won this trade. Unequivocally, it's over. As much as I love AJ Brown, the potential of having a player out of any of the ones I just listed. And I believe I listed seven. I think I, heard, I, think I heard seven or eight. Yep. Give me seven. Now, would, you, would you still say the same even with a late, potentially the 111 or the 112? That probably, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I, I would have to see what the class looks like. I would have to do some film review. It is far in advance, but I love Smitty, man. I love Devontae Smith. If I'm like a rebuilding team and I'm looking for like some depth, that would go through my head, you know, for sure. Um, I would definitely try to turn AJ Brown into DK Metcalf in a second first though. That's what I'll say, but that's what I'll say about that. Yeah. I think I'm going to agree with you as much as I do love AJ Brown. I got to look at value. Like this is super flex. A, a lot of a, a big problem with people, myself included, if you're new to Superflex, you don't really understand the value of a rookie first till you hit that first draft and you go, Oh my god, look at all this look at all this talent that you can get in the first round. Now, granted, the 2022 draft was kind of dog shit in all honesty. I know that you guys talked about it in one of the previous podcasts, but looking from a, you know, it was just it wasn't a great class overall. But you know, 2023 and 2024. Those draft classes are just going to be insane. It reminds me a lot of the 2020 draft class and the 2021 draft class. I mean, let me ask you this, man. I, I didn't think 2022 is that bad. But let's let's say that you did think it was bad. We're talking Devontae Smith and a mid-2022 pick, first-round pick. Yeah. You walk around with Chris Olave. You can walk out with a, uh, with a Drake London, assuming he would fall to 104 like he did in a power draft. Um, for, for whatever reason, or I uh, no, I think it was like one Oh five or something like that. Who are you even talking Garrett about? Wilson. Even Garrett Wilson. I, I, uh, Drake London, Drake London, Drake London went at the, I think the one Oh four. 
yeah. our draft. But the, the the fact that you could walk out with like, even in 2022, you could walk out with a Chris Olave, a Garrett Wilson level talent. Um, yeah, dude. Like, and that's that's what you're gonna call a bad class. I think that that skill position class was great anyway. But, but yeah, um, I don't think we need to divert attention towards that conversation anymore. We have one more question that I'm pretty sure now has an injury designation that has to be baked into it. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm telling you, both of these players, I loved coming out of the draft of their respective draft classes. And unfortunately, they're both in similar situations. Would you rather have, unfortunately, after the ACL tear, Brees Hall or Travis Etienne? Okay. So I don't know fully what the x-rays showed with Brees Hall. I don't know how significant the tear was. I don't know if there's like PCL involved um like mcl like i I don't i don't know if any of that other stuff involves if this is just a clean acl tear and that's it i want Brees hall i want Brees hall Brees hall what he has done through the first seven weeks of this season is absolutely bananas he has been so damn good that I would hope that Travis Etienne would become that good of a player. And I'm really high on Travis Etienne. Now, when we talk about, you know, running backs tearing their ACL, the question is, well, what's their shelf life? How long are they going to play? How old are they? Travis Etienne, I don't know if people are forgetting, missed his entire rookie season with a list Frank injury. But not only that, he was not an early declare. He was 22 years old going into the draft, or uh, I believe I believe uh, he, he ended up being 22 during his rookie season, and he's 23 now. Brees Hall, on the other hand, was drafted as a 20-year-old, okay? Brees Hall right now is literally going to play football when he is 22 years old. He's going to be back at 22 years old. Travis Etienne in comparison, came back at 23. And what I know about the medical advances of the ACL surgery, I know it's very intricate and very successful now. Sports medicine has come very, very far. I think he's going to be fine. As long as he has, you know, a good half a season to get back on his feet, somebody of that talent is going to be ridiculous. And he's going to be back at 22, man. I'm going to get him for his career. I'm not worried about Brees Hall. I'm not nuking his value. Travis, it had the, the same shit happened to Travis Etienne. And people were like, Liz Frank is really serious, man. I don't know. Like Brees Hall, assuming he has a clean ACL tear, has an injury that is very common for running backs. It happened with Saquon Barkley. And obviously Saquon Barkley is tearing it up. At 25 years old. And Saquon Barkley right now, after coming back, is valued as a top five dynasty running back. Brees Hall, this just happened to him at 21 years old. He will be back. He will be awesome. And he'll be back to the top three dynasty running back spots. I want him. No question. No, I got to agree with you, honestly. Like, I, just, I just think that I love both these players, like I mentioned before. You know what I don't love? The fact that I looked up how old Brees Hall is and I'm technically older than him by... 
three months. Yeah. That's that's terrifying. Like, <laughs> wow, this man's making millions of dollars, and here I'm I am. I'm sure Brees Hall had braces when he was when he entered the league. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, and I think in his um in his sleeper picture, it kind of looks like he. Looks yeah, like I'm pretty. Sure, I'm pretty them. sure he got them off, but like, dude. Yeah, it's just that you know it's such a tough it's such a tough thing because. I look at I look at ETN's film so far and how like you know he's been good enough that they don't care about James Robinson anymore. The man was not on the field. The man was on the field as much as the Gatorade. Actually, the Gatorade people that run to the players and give them Gatorade, they run on the field to help the players. So I'm gonna say that they were on the field more than he was. <laughs> so ETN's involvement in this offense is so big. That, you know, I mean, James Robinson's coming off an Achilles tear. Don't get me wrong. But I think that ETN is really good. He has that chemistry with, with you know, Trevor Lawrence. However, with everything you said, I love Brees. I think this is a good place for us to stop. I think we had some great conversation. We talked about a bunch of guys. Um, this episode didn't end up being as short as we wanted it to be. But, you know, okay. fuck it, man. Like, like we cook. We ball. But regardless... I hope that everyone enjoyed. I thought that we had some decent conversation, disagreed on a couple things, but genuinely got some good, uh, got some good points across, but thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. And as always, we will see you guys next week with a full episode with Rob and Scopa back and hopefully another one of these with one of them as well, but take care. Have a good rest of your week and we'll see you.